0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Trusted Tech Talks podcast with me, Rihanna, and my guest speaker, Jason Kingston from Cube Thinking. On last episode, we discussed what it takes to be a high-performing BA team, where Jason had quite a lot of thoughts that were really interesting that would really help businesses who are thinking and want to develop their BA team. This week, we're taking it a step further and we're discussing how business leaders can actually now build these high-performing teams and what the best practices are for recruiting them exceptional BAs that you all always ask for. For any client that is building BA teams, which the, the amount of BA roles permanent that have come up, have just it's just growing astronomically now. So to these companies who are growing their BA teams, what is the benefit? to creating them into a high-performing team
1: they are the gift that keeps on giving when you get it right it's incredible you get an incredible rhythm and cadence to productivity so the productivity rhythm is just out of this world and particularly because you've got a group of people who are thinkers who are change agents and when they're practicing that and they're seeing evidence of that and majority of business analysis um, improvement techniques should include metric analysis and if you're measuring the metrics that you've got the metrics that you're doing, you can see the return on investment for what you're doing in the wider business, in the wider organisation. You've got a team who are highly motivated. They will not need telling to pick up the booth yeah. to read the latest Simon Sinek booth, Malcolm Gladwell booth, or thoughts like Donuts Economics at the moment. Those That's the stuff where the, the natural heavy learners, the sponges from that point. And the internal client satisfaction should be very high if yeah. you get the right people equally within the team they need to protect that geek space that (laughs) as a group of BAs you've got that mental sort of element of stimulation stimulation. but was certain stuff where you then when you go back off back on stage or back playing side you know hold back your geek (laughs) don't scare them off and I in the earlier years used to people off and say Jason like whoa you're scaring people off and perhaps I lost or perhaps I needed to change it to temper that a little bit yeah. The do? Human. but if you get the right people in the team, one plus one should equal three because one person's conversation spotted spotting something else. Like I mentioned, my business partner, John, he clocked what was on the screen. Offered his insights from manufacturing and engineering, what he did in the Manufacturing Institute 15 years ago, the growth company in Manchester, clocked something and had his thoughts in, which meant I could send that back to the client. One yeah. plus one equal three. it it, it was there you've got an infectious curiosity when you've got a great team of BAs you've got people who want to solve problems who one of the best examples I saw of this was I was at J.D. Williams in Manchester Martin House of Victoria Train Station phenomenal team of BAs there and I I buy a lot of records and you go in and you're like you you go back to the team you'd be analysing what did I just see in the record shop how could that have been done different was there a Kanban approach? Was there a flow with what was happening then? They treated the money off me nicely. What did they do? They were, they were fluent, they were congruent. The point being is, as a team of geeks, you can self-analyse, and that's what you want. And the, and the leader at that time, a wonderful lady called Julie Moe, she was like, wow, <laughs> this is utopia. You know, you're, you're analysing analysis, and that infects curiosity. I think you've got incredible thinkers and stimulating each other's brains as well. That's no bad thing, surely.
0: So how do you usually go around recruiting BAs for your personal team and the clients that you're working with?
1: So considering all the previously mentioned points, understanding the organisation, understanding the system architecture, the business architecture and where they are, uh, the characteristics that match the culture, it needs going to identify that and can convey that in the advert. So recently we did a piece for a country housing association. A part of that was setting up their BA yeah. team and helping them recruit their BA and how do you make that advert stick it to the right person you need it to, you need to understand the organization and the journey they're on, but the appetite that they've got too because if you get somebody who's super revved up full of techniques and full of passion and the organization only wants to go from here just to there and yet somebody's thinking they're coming in taking them on to the stratosphere that person is quickly going to become unwell, uncomfortable, on a square peg in a round hole.
0: Yeah. So at
1: that point, it's considering the organizational maturity and the journey and communicating that. So if you are a small business as a cottage industry and you're looking to make improvements to the next level, but the next level is not like meteoric, that means yeah. capturing the advert because there'll be some fantastic BAs if think actually I'm coming to the end of my career and I just want to just take things a little bit easier or some people just want to just uh, operate in a slightly different way in a microcosm rather than a macrocosm. So it's looking at how the pace and the type of change is and communicating that what that's what we did with that particular client with regards to you know they're on a journey, they're looking to move to we didn't say to world class but moving to a sort of point of improvement and to shape it up. And what we really were looking for somebody who have bruised knuckles, They've been sort of in different sectors and different industries who understood I'm stronger by what I don't know, that's the question, is what are comfortable in the own skin. And in that situation, we found a fantastic VA who worked at various different elements around the world, wanted slightly to just have a bit less of a crazy pace, but
0: mm. at the same time
1: wanted to make a big difference too, and that yeah. set to match their social values too. And this is where it's also interesting where your corporate social responsibility can sometimes be an element that can play too because a lot of business analysts, there's a, there is a reason why they want to do what they're doing. It's not always just for a commercial game. It might be for an alternative piece too. Yeah. Um, and I think when you're recruiting the BAs, as I said, it's, you want to excite talent, but you need to manage the expectations of the talent. Like I said, I've been in a situation once where I thought I was coming in to help somewhere work towards Premier League not realising that that passion was misinterpreted as criticism of the organisation. Yeah. They wanted to just go a 10 mile an hour, whereas perhaps I wanted to go a 100 mile an hour. And I was a square peg in a round hole in that situation. If I'd it sort of if to been a bit more due diligence on either side, whether I would have gone for that or not is different. So, and, and then if you're recruiting BA's checking your own network, um, yeah. you know, otherwise. But that's, your network is your net worth. And if you've not got a good network, then that's useful as a chocolate fire who has got a good network or working with people like yourselves as recruitment partners who've got the networks to get the plug in to say, actually, this is what's there. Very often, uh, ourselves, we get called in to advise on recruitment for BAs for that reason, as per the example we're given, because some will recognise, we don't know what we don't know, but we need somebody who's not, not like me necessarily. This is definitely not like me, but they, you can tease out what they want and what they need, and all the stuff described with the bridge and just sitting on the in sort sitting in the interviews and helping yeah. in and measuring. So there's people who are there to help. You're not alone. Which the key that I was trying to say in a long winded way.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned using uh, people like myself.
1: <laughs> it's important. I mean, I've <laughs> recruited a big, big number of VAs mm. and it's been with various people, uh, some of whom will be in your network, some of whom your competitors and otherwise it's revolving doors. But as client side, you want to mm. ensure that you've, you know, you've got the right people who understand the way the life of the land. I said, case in point, I said, you're in an inquiry about second line IT support this morning. Yeah. <laughs> so much as why would I assume I know the best when there's people out there who do know? And your yeah. colleague has kindly responded as well. Thank you for that.
0: No, it's all right. Um, But I guess then just carrying on with this theme about hiring then. So in an interview process, you've, you've reviewed the CVs, you've selected the individuals that are coming through to an interview. What are the traits that you look out for? Because a lot of the time I get asked, I want a good BA. And when I ask what does a good BA look like, it's always personality, it's always communication skills and how they come across. So I guess, how do you identify the right traits in an interview process?
1: So the things that you've said, absolutely, bedside manner is crucial. And for that matter, it's looking at ensuring as a recruiting manager or as a leader or otherwise, you're looking for the tells of nonverbal miscommunication risks. What do I mean by that? There was a, a chap who I interviewed, CV, wonderful, one of the strongest CVs I've seen, however, as soon as I met him, I came down to lift. The woman on the reception didn't look quite as comfortable as she normally does, and she'd engage with him. Shook his arm, they had a bone-crushing handshake. That's fine, I've got a strong handshake, but he held us there for just a slight bit too long. The point being is, when we come up to the session at the interview, I would ask a question, he would answer me. The head of HR would ask a question, she would ask a question, and he would answer me. There could have been a whiff of misogyny. Maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. But that would have been... What people would have read, For myself, he would have been a potential grievance machine because of the miscommunication, because of holding us there too long, possibly making people feel uncomfortable. It he was a hot spot, and yeah. he didn't get the job. And I fed it back to him, uh, it, you know, regarding that, and we had a conversation there. And I think it's important because character over competencies. If you've got the competencies, and always a bit less. If you've got a character. I would always recruit a character over. Yeah,
0: that's what we
1: always say. You look, at the skills you can nurture them and do that. I can think of one person who I recruited. he wasn't truly a BA role, but it was a BA job, BA business analyst role. Said person, he was up against uh, people with doctorates and other stuff. However, he loved stats. He loved analysis, and you could see from the sparkling back in his eye. But he was, he was doing, he was, mm-hmm. ad, he was just, it was there. Amazing. yeah, and he's gone on and thrived and had promotions since then. I've lost his left there, but he's out thrived now. That's because of him, not because of me, because he is the <laughs> right person in there. He had passion, and passion counts for a heck of a lot, particularly when you're in the hard slog of problem solving. Yeah. When everybody's saying, Oh, we can't do this, if your glass is half empty too, well, but the else a race to the bottom, isn't it? What you <laughs> want is somebody who's infatigable. We've seen this, no, we can do this, this can be done. This is there, yeah. there's always a better way. And that passion, I think, is also with like knowledge of self. How well do you yes. know yourself? Have you, it may be you've done Myers Briggs, it might be that you've done some Belding type thing, whatever, it doesn't matter. How well do you know yourself and how do people interact? I know I'm Marmite, and some people will say that Jason Kingston, not a threat. <laughs> get that, you can't be all things to all people, but just knowing yourself and how yeah. that works. There's the BAs know themselves and that becomes apparent in the process, then they will understand that there's a time of day and not the best person to do that piece of work. And you that's the squad. You wouldn't put a goalkeeper up front if you're in football, would you?
0: I'm going to take your word for
1: that. Well, I don't know much about football either. And the final bit is that they've got an ability to ask questions clearly, yeah, intelligently, and they can hold multiple thoughts. You know, it... That is where there's almost a width of the ADHD, I think speaking from personal experience, is, is a gift. It's the ability. When everybody else is like, this is chaos, it's like, it's fine, but I can navigate the chaos. I've got this.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. And um, I suppose in your experience, obviously, you know, someone can interview very well. Mm. Um, you know, they can pull the wool over your eyes, you know exactly what they need to do. Um what has happened in your experience when the wrong BA is hired and what was the impact?
1: So, I think just I'll reverse engineer this. So, if you do competency based interviews, you, you can check the character, but you can also check the competencies and you can check. So, you get a lot of people who say, Oh, yeah, I can do process mapping, I've used video. I've got a calculator, but does it make me an accountant? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. it's that point. So, very often, you say, oh, yeah, I can do project management, I've got, I've got you know, Microsoft project. No. If you think that's the case, that for me would be an immediate removal from the conversation because it's knowing it, it's knowing your onions or being honest and saying, I don't truly really get that. So I think that's quite key and quite important. And then out of that, because if the wrong person has bluffed or been allowed to bluff, and the responsibility is on you as a recruiting manager to do as much as you can to see what the person is like. So when they say, I've done process mapping, have done whatever, and you say, right, I've got half an hour now, document your journey to work in a car, you know, yeah, blank like canvas, if they can't have the ability to think and to, to document that, to diamonds, the decision gates and all the rest of it, they're kind of going to get found out. If they don't get found out, what you're going to get is internal client frustration significantly. You're going to get your attitude off as the leader of them and you're going to end up on the tools yourself, popping up from what they've done. So you're not getting it right this time, you're getting it right eight times. you have also could probably end up dealing with later on a performance management issue or whatever. It's incorrect business requirements can be progressed, so the outputs could be a problem which is not correct or an output which is not correct, or the problem you're trying to solve is actually been replaced with another problem in yeah. that situation. And also, it's uncomfortable for that human being, that BA themselves, if they are a square pegging in round hole. And you won't wish that on any human being either. So try yeah, and it yeah. in the bud before it has a chance to start by not recruiting them in the first place.
0: Perfect. And... Um... Obviously, th- this might be a repetitive question, actually. We might have already covered it earlier. Um, and we've spoken loads of times about the different types of BAs. Um, we, we probably talked ourselves blue <laughs> on that topic. Um, but I guess to try and maybe change the tone of the question so it isn't repetitive, how do you think businesses should go about deciding whether that BA is right for them. So you've got the skills matrix to decide this is the type of BA we want. Yeah. But then when it gets to an interview process, actually, the mind, the, the conversation they need to have to think, does this person match that skills matrix that we've put? How do you think they should go about that? Is that quite an easy process or is it you know just matching them up?
1: I don't think it's easy, but I think there's an easy way and a right way. Doing it the right way is understanding your business and system architecture, yeah. understanding your own culture. Is it an oppressive culture? Is there a high power distance index? Is there a culture of fear? Is there a culture of autocracy? Is it command and control? All of these things a good BA will be able to picking up on this in the tube and probably measuring it, but it will can have an impact on those in regards to how they are working. And I think if we spoke before about the power of the prefix, haven't we? Whether you're a digital yeah. BA, a traditional or a Demaic BA, or otherwise, and in some cases, some people have been BA's but they've never had the title BA. I've been a process coordinator. I've been a quality analyst. It'll be aged the name, and it's sort of evolved. And recently, we've had BA, which is what it is. But at the same time, we've had people who work in operational excellence who've been BAs and everything other than name, and they're still operating and trading that way internationally through value stream maps and otherwise. But it's understanding the culture that you've got um, and. If your system architecture and your vision, value, and your three-year roadmap, if you will, for your organisation, has got those different elements of it, that should be an ability to see. Do you want people who just will design without question? Because some just want a digital product, and this leads us into our later piece regarding product owners. Regarding if it's a product which is to be produced, that's more doing than thinking. So yeah. if you've got somebody who's got that six sigma, that DMAIC type of background, that traditional BA background, looking for problems to solve, they're going to be hyper frustrated if you're just telling them just do it. For what? <laughs> <laughs> Equally, if you've got people who are familiar with the demand fit approach, which is the swap of improve the design from that piece, then they can apply the thinking in a in a constricted way. Yeah. So it's understanding what we need. Three year roadmap. Uh, do they want to just design a question or to solve problems? And is it a they to make or did it talk to the power of the prefix? That mm-hmm. is the things to consider of what are your needs and what are your wants and what's really what's in your production life going Perfect. forward. To.
0: Thank you for listening into this week's episode of the Trusted Tech Talk Podcast with myself, Rihanna, and my guest speaker, Jason Kingston from Cube Thinking. If you have had any questions about any of the topics that we've discussed today please get in touch via linkedin or email me directly at rihanna.butler at maxwellbond.co.uk the plan is if we get loads of questions we're going to do a final summary podcast with all the questions related to all the topics that we've had in this mini podcast series also don't forget please make sure that you're following Trusted Tech Talks on LinkedIn and Spotify so you don't miss on any future or any past episodes that you might have missed that you might find of interest. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for Jason for taking the time to speak with me today and uh, look forward to hopefully hearing from some of you soon.